Welcome to Inaudible. My name is Jeremy Wylan, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ryan Masterson. On this podcast, we discuss the weird, beautiful channeled messages found in the archives of LL Research, an organization dedicated to sharing spiritual information with the world. You can find out more about LL Research at llresearch.org. The archives contain transcripts of messages from allegedly discarnate sources who claim to hail from an organization they call the Confederation of Planets in service to the Infinite Creator. Ryan and I will try to provide analysis and commentary on the philosophy described in these messages, identifying the common themes, and grappling with the application of this information to our human lives. Thanks for joining us on this journey. How's it going, Ryan? It's going, my friend. How are you? Uh, like I was saying earlier, I'm a little bit tired uh, again, but, uh, <laughs> you know, that's being old. I hear you. I think I use this app called Sleep Cycle, and it's just, it sits next to your bed, and it's got a, a microphone, and it's supposed to record when it when it hears you turn over or cough. or It's essentially, it tries to track what your sleep cycles are doing. You know, how much deep sleep are you getting? And the last week or two has been quite poor <laughs> for me. Simply, I think because I'm going to bed late, I'm getting up early. I'm going to bed. I'm going to sleep extremely fast. But for some reason, I'm just not. I'm not sleeping very well. Maybe I need to meditate more. Hmm. Maybe. Um, you know, there's a lot going on in the world right now. Yes, there is. And depending on which channel you watch or where you get your news, you might get a different spin on, on what's going on. But, uh, yeah, but nobody can mistake the suffering and the pain and the, the conflict that's being felt right now. It seems to pop up like every couple of years in the middle East, you know, it does. It does. It's very sad. Yeah. Um, I, before we, you know, before we started recording this, we were talking about what we might cover today. And uh, I know what's been on my mind, partially because of the tr recent transcripts, but you know, what's going on in the world is certainly one contributor to that, but that is the concept of good and evil. Yeah. And um, it's a tough one to square because one person's good, as they say, one person's terrorist is another person's freedom fighter, mm -hmm. right? And um, it's a squirrely subject. But I thought it would be good to review perhaps what the Confederation has said about good and evil. Yeah, I think that's good. Uh, not, yeah, not making any direct <laughs> statement about any like affairs in the world. Yeah. Just talking about it from this, because I think one of the things that makes uh, Confederation philosophy so interesting to uh, human application uh, to life is uh, the way that they make distinctions between, um, you know, this idea of should and should not or shall and shall not. And uh, this idea of what's yours and what's not yours. They speak much more uh, openly and freely about moral and ethical issues in a way that gets to the energetic heart of the matter. So mm. that's why that was one of the things that really appealed to me about Ra's message was, you know, them saying, you know, there is there is no right and wrong at the end of the day. 
Um, and nevertheless, there is polarity. Yes. <laughs> so how do we, uh, so is it just a one-to-one mapping that we're doing? Are we just changing our words or are the concepts different? And I hope we can dig into that a little today. Yeah. I know we also spoke that I really want to dive into their explanation of karma because I think it's easy to start talking about the nature of good and evil and think how karma ties into that, you know, because there are spiritual consequences for certain actions and intentions. But I think, I think the Confederation provides a good, a good, a good reference, a good frame of a frame of reference. It's challenging. I think they're very good at saying, here's what's useful about the concept. And here's where it goes a little bit off the rails when it becomes just a rote, you know, rule that humans apply to, you know, to say who's right and wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I've got a few transcript uh, sessions. Uh, two of them are from, I think, 78. Let me see. Yes. Two are from 1978, and one goes back all the way to 1972. And Hatan addresses the concept of the Antichrist, uh, which I find very interesting. So here we've got Carla channeling Hatan. This is during a question and answer session in August 9th, 1978. Hatan states, I would like to respond briefly to a question which has not been asked, but which was earlier asked before your meditation. We refer to the question of good and evil. It is one to record, my friends. We ask you to understand that, like all opposites, that it is the result of being in motion. When one is in motion, there is that which is ahead of you, and that which is behind you. If you could understand yourselves as beings, which have been sent out from a great central source, and which are, at varying speeds, making a great circular return to that central source, then you can begin to understand good and evil. At one point in your evolution, my friends, you were at the farthest point from the central source which we call the creator, for want of a better word, or for want of another word. There was nothing behind you and nothing in front of you when you began your travel. As you moved toward that great light, the great central sun, light is before you and darkness behind you, wisdom before you and ignorance behind you. Those who wish to gain power may gain it in one of two ways, by aiding and abetting that journey towards the light, which is called good, or by, shall we say, applying the brakes in progress and attempting to re-enter that portion of the cycle which has already been, which is called evil. So, we're halfway through this little section here. But Hatan appears to be saying, look, we're all in motion. And I'm guessing this is metaphysically speaking or spiritually speaking. We are in motion. We are moving towards the creator. 
that which is in front of us is, you know, as if we're moving towards the sun is light and that which is behind us where we came from, where we were in the past is the dark. Um, what I detect here is, uh, the articulation of a process, right. Mm -hmm. Of a progression, uh, from one state to another. And, um, I would also point out that, uh, when they're talking about good and evil, uh, it seems to me like they're trying to, uh, even at this early stage of expounding on Confederation theory, they're talking about uh, a sort of it, it, they're look they're using good and evil as stand-ins for the terms they really want to use, and that's why they describe it the way they do. So I think that once they have the language of polarity, uh, talking in terms of good and evil and all of the connotations oh. that go with that will be unnecessary. But like. For if you were just introducing, I mean, think about how you describe service to self and service to others, to mm -hmm. other people. Mm -hmm. Like you use the stand in to get the initial aha, the, the recognition of the concept you're talking about. And then you refine that concept to say, well, it's not about being a bad boy or a good boy. It, you know, it's something a little bit deeper. And the, the value of the philosophy comes from understanding that deeper significance of, uh, you know, normativity or morality or ethics, right? Hmm. I, I just want to put that out there so that people don't think that, uh, <laughs> you know, we're just uh, talking about fire and brimstone here. Sure. No, that's a really, I think that's really insightful, um, especially coming in because with the, with the understanding of the raw contact and the vocabulary used in the raw contact and here, you know, part of the, part of the living love and light journey or podcast was to explore all the stuff leading up to the raw contact, which most people would most people reference. So I guess it makes sense that here we're exploring different terms, different concepts that end up being solidified in a much more concrete fashion uh, when we come into the early 80s. And it's and it's almost uh, it's it's really exciting to see it in this, you know, less more incohate form, right? Th these ideas that are, they're just starting to explore them and talking about them. I might also point out, um, both quote, good and quote, evil are, uh, part of a progression in the same direction that itself is, uh, you know, you wouldn't think of that if you were talking about a polarity like that, you would think that evil would be going in the opposite direction, right? Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. That's so I'm just trying to point out these little nuances of what they're saying because they give us clues to the true nature of what's at work here. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, let me continue. Yes. Hatan continues, if you can understand that at the end of your journey, when you are without motion, there will be no good or evil. It may help you, inaudible, combat that which you see as evil at this point. The principle which drives those who are vibrating in what you would call the evil range is that of separation. They are attempting to separate themselves from the great central source. They are attempting to become more and more individualized, thereby shutting themselves off from power and love of the creation. The type of power that this generates is similar to that which is generated by the applying of brakes in one of your automobiles. It is a friction which generates a good deal of heat. 
because this power is so obvious in being seen and felt, and because power in and of itself is admired on planet Earth, many vibrate in the direction of evil, for they can see that they are powerful. Those who attempt to accelerate towards the good are deliberately giving up more and more of their individuality and taking on more and more of the love and power of that central sun source. That which is separate within them is gradually burnt away, and thus they become lights that truly lighten the darkness up. We wish you to understand, my friends, that there is nothing good or evil about good and evil. They are valid choices in a universe of motion. I like this because they're saying, objectively, our perception of good and evil, good and evil is not good and evil, right? There are two paths on, on the same journey and that journey towards the creator, that journey towards the sun, the central, the central light. Our perception of good or evil is our, oh, like we said a couple podcasts ago, there, there are things that are, and then there's your perceptions of those things, which is a different issue entirely. And that is not, that is not to, that is not to downplay the strength of emotion that we feel when we see what we consider to be evil in the world. But um, it's an interesting concept here that, you know, we're all on this path to the creator. On the one side is less individualization, more coming together. And on the other side is more separation and more power. Yes. Um, it's, it's just cool to see somebody describe good and evil as a physics problem. <laughs> like certainly like like this whole i am i am uh i'm super inspired by this uh, uh metaphor of uh like uh breaking mm. evil as breaking on the inevitable path to the creator uh it in one sense shows uh the way that free will works with our path back to the creator, right? I mean, this is a choice that is made to slow down and to experience um, a longer amount of time in a separate form. Uh, now, it's interesting in third density because this is the density of individuation. It mm -hmm. is curious that they would uh, at once say, well, you know, in third density, you are by definition an individual veiled from your total self and also separate from other people at the same time to say that that's somehow uh, congruent with what they're pointing at as evil. But I think it makes sense because it shows the nature of the choice in third density. Uh, when we are uh, acting in a loving, positive manner, uh, we're not so much uh, becoming formless uh, group hive mind people, mm -hmm. right? That's mm -hmm. not what we're doing. We're still ourselves. We still have our personality vehicles. Like I talked about yesterday uh, or last time. Um, 
what we're doing is uh, we are choosing as individuals to act in concert, as I see it, with that path forward, with that inertia forward. And remember, listener, remember that term inertia, because it will come up again. Um, This inertia forward is something that you're cooperating with. And so you are acting as an individual as if we are all one. And so just like um, we talk about service being a form of channeling, right? Service is a way that you step down a higher vibration mm-hmm. into whatever particular little thing is needed in manifest reality. Um, walking the positive path is an exercise in cooperating with that energy and moving with it and pushing yourself uh, along with the stream back to the central source. Uh, conversely, uh, the negative path uh, is a lot about slowing down and wanting to experience more of that individuation. Mm-hmm. Uh, seeing, you know, you can see uh, the, the 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 path that we all take back to the creator as kind of like being drawn by a gravity field into a central repository, right? And so. I've often thought that those on the service to self path want to see themselves as little eddies, right? They want to see themselves as gravity wells that pull things into them. That's why mm. in the law of one, uh, in, in Ra, uh, in the Ra contact, those of Ra speak of uh, positivity as radiative and negativity as uh, attractive, right? As uh, yes. magnetic, like you're yes. pulling into the self, you're centering that individual instead of centering the creator that encompasses all of us. Yes. Right? And, and just to add on to that, and it, and it goes along with the nomenclature that if I'm using that word correctly, the naming of positive and negative polarity, not from mm-hmm. our perspective of a qualitative judgment as positive and negative or happy and, and sad, or you know what I'm saying, but positive and negative from an, like an electrical standpoint that positive moves forward, negative draws to it. You know, it's like a, a directional flow of energy. Um, absolutely. And I think that, that, I mean, this is so far beyond what I am capable of as far as perceiving positive and negative with, from that perspective, I still see it. I still, I feel it. I, I I feel it as good and bad, you Mm -hmm. know, and I, I suppose the test, if I ever run into it will be, can you love in the face of evil? Can you, can you show that love? Can you choose that path when you intersect with that other path that you don't want to go on or you don't agree with? Do you have the, the strength and the confidence and the faith to show that love? You know, after all the confederation, uh, ceaselessly reminds us how important discrimination is, how how important it is for us to be able to perceive matters like this correctly. So and understand that you do have to have some sort of like underlying philosophy. What's interesting, what I really think is interesting about all this is how much of a physics problem it seems like this. It's not this subjective humanistic like, um, oh, you're a bachelor of arts, not a bachelor of science kind of thing. The interesting thing is that perhaps it is the veil that keeps us from seeing the underlying mechanics that are going on here. And that's the whole point, right? We have to take a soul 
and we have to like really test it. Uh, it's, it's a triple blind test, right? <laughs> a triple blind test in third density to see what this element actually is, right? Mm-hmm. I suppose it's why it's called metaphysics. You know, <laughs> it's, it is kind of like a science prog- problem, just kind of outside the si- current scientific method, you know. Philosophers specializing in uh, in metaphysics are uh, tearing their hair out everywhere. We're sorry. I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> Bear with us. So there's there's one more paragraph here that Hatan finishes up. I didn't think I would read this one, but I think it would be a good way to close. Uh, Hatan finishes. He says, We have found it is appropriate to us to accelerate our journey towards the central source. For we have found that union with each other and with the Creator is joy and happiness, and we prefer laughter to power. We can only ask that you have compassion for the great evil that is within your energy at this time. All of those who are applying the brakes will one day choose otherwise. That much is a metaphor, my friends. I'm not sure what that means that sentence right there but anyway they finishes meanwhile monitor your own progress and make your own choice yeah 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 that was a good one in another session april 29th 1979 um they're doing some question and answer with hatan and i kind of like i really actually like this session Um, Again, April 29th, 1979, because someone asks basically about Hatan, you know, hey, do you have a family? Are you a man or a woman? You know, Uh, do Mm -hmm. you have kids? And Hatan goes into some, you know, low level, but the fun, kind of the fun details about what life is like for them. And one of the questioners asks, um, what is evil in your density? Uh, you know, essentially, what is it like in, in fourth density where you're at? And Hatan says, I am aware of your question, but there is some difficulty in answering it fully, for there is no evil in our particular density. We are in a density of unity. Evil as you know it, in your density, seems rather complex, but in reality, it is simply the manifestation of separation, brother from brother, and man from creator. And I, I want to pause there because I think in at its foundation, in principle, thinking of evil as being the manifestation of separation is perfect. Because what is one person willing to do to another when they see them as separate, as not the same? as the bad guy when you focus on those differences and i mean shoot i think it's in the military if you're going to war they do it the military i believe does a pretty good job of making the enemy seem inhuman so that when you get over there it's a it's a little bit easier to kill other people which is i think for humans quite hard to do so you know in order to make war work you've got to enhance that perception of separation between you and the other person. And I, but I think, I think it's just a great way to boil it down and say, it's a manifestation of separation. I think that's a good sum it up, you know, statement. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't really have anything to add to that. It, it's That's pretty much spot on. Wonderful. Well, let me continue. Hatan continues, each man is the creator. The lack of understanding of this principle of universal law is the source and the beginning of evil. Man, not understanding that all is one and that what man does to his brother, he does to himself, decides to gain power over his brother and enslaves his brother. Now, this is also an interesting thing to think about. What man does to his brother, he does to himself. Now, I know that I'm going to completely butcher this. I'm not even going to try to quote it, but I think Jesus has a pretty good one. I think he's kind of railing maybe on his disciples about they didn't clothe him. They didn't feed Jesus. And they're like, when did, when, what? We've always helped you out. And he says, yeah, but that guy on the street that was, didn't have any clothes, like you didn't help him and you didn't feed that other guy. And what you do to them, you do to me. You know, I really like that. I have candidly have not read the Bible, but you know, that, that, that story pops out to me, but I am trying to wrap my head around this because I know that when I think back to when I was less enlightened, um, if I could even call myself enlightened now, but when I treated people poorly, uh, because of lack of perspective or lack of empathy, I, f- I feel that now I even look, I mean, I'm a, I'm a completely different person than I was maybe 20 years ago with how I, with how I act in some situations, but I can, that is with me, me mistreating someone. I can feel that now. And I can understand how me mistreating that person back then was really me mistreating myself. I, I could just, I can feel it. I can feel it. What I don't understand is, is If you decide to gain power and enslave your brother, how is that doing unto, you know, how is that doing unto someone? How is that doing it unto me? Does that make sense what I'm saying there? Yeah. Because if you're, if, if you're the type of person that wants power, that wants people to serve you, I'm not sure you're going to see it that way that that's necessarily a bad thing right no the whole point is that you don't see it that way it nevertheless Mm. is the case Mm -hmm. it nevertheless is the case that although you want to energize this illusion of separation and individuality uber allus um it's not the case it's actually an illusion and um what you do to others is you are doing to yourself and when you create pain and suffering and the feeling of a loss of dignity in others, um, you will have to face that at some future time, right? Mm-hmm. You're applying the brakes now, but that doesn't mean that uh, you will never uh, make up for it, right? Mm-hmm. You will have to forgive yourself and you will have to ask for your brother's forgiveness. Oh, here, comes for, here comes the first story of this. I'm going to, in the show notes, plug a YouTube channel that I've really come to enjoy. It's called Astral Club. And this, I think this guy's maybe in his, maybe in his fifties, but according to him, his name is Rick. He's been astral projecting his whole life. And over the last couple years, every week he's gone on YouTube and he's just told a quick 20, 30 minute story about some of his astral projection experiences. And, um, 
I've just really latched on to this weekly, this weekly show. I love it. He's got one that really struck me. Um, he is in the middle of an astral. He's astral projecting and he basically gets pulled into this classroom and he's with 11 other entities and they are, they are discarnate. They are not, you know, incarnate in the world. He's the only guy with a body. Everyone else is in the astral plane, but it's a, it's a, I think he calls it the astral guide school where it's a training. There's a teacher there and there's a training program. They're training these astral entities, how to help other spirits. And the first lesson that he gets thrown into is they are going to go retrieve a soul. And he tells the story that the, that the 12 students and the teacher disapparate and they appear in this battlefield and this entity appears in front of them. And it's a German soldier. It's a Nazi from World War II. And the way Rick tells this story is that this guy, this entity, was a complete mess. Because coming out of his incarnation, he saw he was responsible for, call it, a thousand deaths. And his way of coming to atone for the pain and suffering he caused was to experience, from his victim's point of view, each and every death that he took part in. And this astral group is coming to this guy at the end of his thousand experiences. And he's just a complete mess. And he asks, he asks the group if he could ever be forgiven. And I don't want to spoil the ending because it's, it's kind of cool. But um, it, that there, what it makes me think is that, okay, I might not see it here. In this, in this moment, in this incarnation, but I am fascinated with the concept of a life review and how do you come back and learn all this? And I can see, I can see in this scenario, yes, you are going to experience, it's possible you will experience all of the things that you do wrong to others or to yourself or whatever, you know, you are going to experience that one way or another because that's, that's how we learn and that's how we improve. But, um, but that's what comes to mind, um, you know, when we're talking about the lessons to learn and the separation and yeah, what you do to others, you do to yourself, whether literally or figuratively, you know, it kind of doesn't matter because it's possible you could experience that. You could experience that one day. You ever look back on your childhood on times when you were small and if you had brothers or sisters, you were mean to them. If you're an older brother like me, you do. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you have regrets. You have regrets for how beautiful that childhood experience was and how you sullied it. Right. Yeah. And of course, you were a kid, too. Right. Like it's it's OK. And you, you don't even bother bringing it up usually to your brothers because they're just going to be like, I don't even remember what you're talking about. It's OK. But um, we keep these things in in ourselves. Um in one way or another, uh, we are going to balance them. See, that's the the the, the Nazi guy uh, was experiencing this as some sort of atonement or punishment. But from 
the more physics-based morality of the Confederation. It's really more of a balancing, right? It's like we kind of have to experience all these things in order to be balanced, in order to have full command of all of the parts of ourselves mm-hmm. for the next step, the next stage mm-hmm. of the journey, right? Mm-hmm. There's there's part of me... Nah, hold on. I'm going to come to this point, but I got to tell a story really quickly because when middle school for my twin brother and I was very tough. We were not nice to each other we loved each other, but we were not nice. And I, I punched him when it wasn't hard, but I punched him. I felt so guilty about that. And one day, not too long ago, maybe a few years ago, we were just drinking whiskey and I'm like, dude, one day, do you remember when I punched you? I'm like, that still haunts me. And he looks at me with this puzzled face. He's like, you punched me. And I'm like, dude, you don't remember that. He's like, no man. But you know what I remember? I remember that time I twisted your arm behind your back and I tweaked your shoulder and you said, oh, oh, you really hurt. And I'm like, I don't even remember that. When did you do that? You know, so you are so right. <laughs> you don't. Uh, it's. I remember it, when I punched my brother oh in the my, stomach. Oh, boy. He, and as far as I know, he never did that to me. But maybe I just don't remember. It, yeah. Right? It, it's funny what <laughs> sticks with you, isn't it? It's funny. Yeah. Um, I What I was going to say is that I want to. I, I wish that I could take the long view so to speak, the eternal view that I'm a soul that will literally live forever, you know, and this is all these lessons that I'm learning is just, these are lessons and there's a larger path. And I would like to think that if I was, if I was a Jew in the forties and I was faced face to face with a Nazi ready to, ready to kill me, that, that, I would be able to show love to that criminal, you know, mm-hmm. but I'm just not sure how to do that or even if that's even necessary or possible in this density and given all of the other fears and love that I have for you know, my wife, my kid, my, you know, my fam- my family, am I able to, Oh, I'm not sure where to go with this because I'm I'm still trying to work through this, but there's there I'm so attached to the illusion, so to speak. You know, if if loving my wife and kids is considered being attached to the illusion, I'm not sure how to incorporate some of these larger concepts that are from what I from what I interpret from the Confederation is kind of the goal of you know, of all of these experiences to, is to incorporate some of these themes and concepts. Um that they indicate are maybe the end goal of this, you know, of this cycle. Uh, You are capable of it. And the reason that you're capable of it, that we know that is because there have been other people who are capable of it and they're not different than you. Mm. Right. That's a good, just different parts of you. And the other thing is, uh, you know, if, if, if a concept of eternity and infinity is too uh, big to fit in the memory, uh, then the other side of that is the present moment in the present moment in right this very moment. Uh, we have all the infinity, all the eternity we could ever want. Uh, we have to tune into it, right? It's a, it's about a, a quality of attention and a quality of consciousness. And most importantly, a desire. Uh, so even if, it is hard to square some of the more difficult uh, feelings and experiences in the human condition. Um, 
you can always draw upon uh, your own will uh, to balance yourself and to ask for the experiences that you wish. Um, and also dread the experiences that you wish, right? Like yeah. worry is negative desire, yeah. right? It still brings into things. So like, it's just, um, you know, one of our goals on this podcast is to help people participate more fully in their spiritual evolution. But this is third density. You don't participate completely consciously mm-hmm. in all of this. And it's important to remember that because I see a lot of people who, uh, take upon themselves this mantle of spiritual growth as if it were, you know, a 30 day challenge or something like that. Um, and now they have to align their entire lives to this goal. And that's noble. I, I applaud the, the nobility of the intention. Um, but you're not on this plane to be an ascended master. You're on this plane to learn and the best way to learn is to accept what you're ignorant of Hmm. and accept what you have learned in the past and use those things to make good use of the present moment so that you can uh, partake of that larger uh, eternity and unity. Mm -hmm. Good point. It's a good point. I mean, have compassion for yourself and then you can have compassion for, uh, for that Nazi, right? Sure. Sure. Hatan continues He states, sometimes this evil is projected from individuals to larger groups. Whole nations, as you call them, on your planet can become evil. Whole planets can become evil. It is simply a measure of separation of man from the knowledge and love of the Creator. It is a type of ignorance, and this is why the best defense against evil in your illusion is the knowledge of what evil really is. Thus, faced with evil, you can find the Creator in that source of that evil. This blocks the evil from coming into your world, for one who loves is stronger, in unity, than one who does not love in his evil. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Again, challenging, but... But good. Well, it 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 demands of us uh, a way of approaching these matters that. Uh, so it, yeah, it's challenging. Like we have to stop if we if if we subscribe to this philosophy, we have to stop thinking of everything in terms of like you're bad, you're good, you're bad, you're good. I'm bad, I'm good, I'm bad. Right? Like we put it into this bucket. We put these matters into a binary bucket. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we do that, we fail to look at the nuances of the creation before us, the nuances of our brother and sister before us, and to find that thread that is in quote unquote evil that connects it to quote unquote good. We f- and because it's not really connecting evil and good, it's connecting one portion of the creator to another portion of the creator one creator to the same creator Mm. um when we think about it that way i believe that they are correct when they say that you can find a way to relate to evil that takes away a lot of its power Mm. we continue 
in many situations that may seem that evil has triumphed, it must be understood that, metaphysically speaking, evil cannot triumph. It can only lose. That is the best it can do. That is what it is now doing upon your planet. It is keeping love in flight. The difficulty is that many among your people do not care whether they are good or evil. Thus, they are a little good and a little evil. Not truly good and not truly evil. They vibrate so weakly that they cannot help and they cannot hinder. And then they leave the field clear for those who wish power over others and wish to be evil. Thus, we always ask for you to know that all things are one, that love created all there is, that the original thought is love. I should have stopped the previous sentence because that was just hard hitting. If you don't make a choice, if you're a little good, if you're a little evil, guess what? You kind of don't matter. It's whoever has made the choice is going to come right in. The sinkhole of indifference is what those of Ra call it. And it's a perfect way to describe it. Um, And it is a lot of what I think makes our society so problematic for people is that it, what is encouraged is to keep your head down. What is encouraged is to not get involved in these things. And it's the, it's the flashy people who get involved in all of the like dramas of politics and all this. But, um, and maybe that's the case. Maybe it is, maybe it is people who have a strong yellow ray who end up making the most, uh, in those, in those areas of life. But, um, remember that the things that are so uh, apparent to us in phenomenal reality are just the tip of the iceberg and that there is a great deal that goes on uh, below the surface of the, of the waves that uh, creates the preconditions for all of the politics, all of the economics, all of the different things that seem uh, charged with conflict and, uh, and that seem to matter, right? Like seem to matter in, in real life. Um, those things all stem from the choices that, you know, individuals make. And yes. uh, it's important for us to understand we partake of that same energy. And if we can look at it as a unity, if we can look at it as we are in the same pool of mind as everybody else and what we think and how those thoughts get uh, reflected into action, um, we can start to see uh, how little, how, how a, a, a little, a seemingly little self separate from everybody else in this, you know, you know, sack of flesh uh, through uh, dedication and uh, a true will to serve, a true desire can start to make a difference in that wider field of consciousness. Hmm. It's uh, it's not something that you'll ever be able to prove, but it is a way if, if it bothers you that this is too metaphysical, think of it as a thought, uh, a thought exercise for how to concentrate on what it is that you want and what you want, the kind of influence you want to have on the world. If the influence you want to have on the world is particular concrete things happening. Then, yeah, go go into politics, you know, go go blow something up, 
you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. But what what the what the Confederation is trying to impress upon us is that there is a deeper level at which things can matter. And that the things that we see issue from that. And if we work at that level, we we uh, we have a lot more integrity and a lot more power. Hmm. And we also learn at least as much. Yeah. There's another uh, aspect of this that I'd like to bring in from a later channeling yeah. that really made an impact on me about how humans uh, negotiate right and wrong, good and good and evil. Um, let me let me see when this was. This is uh, January 6, 1991. So this is Kuo. OK. Um, but this excerpt kind of stood out to me. Uh, what have you judged today? Each judgment has pulled you away from your soul. Unlike discrimination, which is a subjective matter of saying, this is mine, but this is not. A judgment is a matter of this is correct and this is not. To judge yourself for yourself is to do your work. To judge others for the self is to be a critic. And how shall the critic grasp the nature of the play if it is only an observer? Nay, you do not wish to be a critic. You do not wish, though you may think so, to be clever and intelligent and intellectual. You need simply to straighten up the household of your mind. And when it is tidy, to move into the heart. Through love, open the heart, so that without fear you may greet yourself. Hmm. This idea of... So so good and evil as like, you know, cosmic concepts, we don't really engage with that much. What we engage with is right and wrong and like, oh, that's that's bad. That's good. But what we're really saying when we say that is that's mine and that's not mine. Right. Because somebody else's path is just their path. Right. Yes. Uh, and then if we can keep that mentality in 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 place. Uh, it becomes a lot easier to serve even those who have negativity because we see the common thread mm. and we can get our judging mind out of the way and become more observant of the actual conditions in which so-called good and evil, so-called right and wrong actually play out. And they become, instead of these two paths, they, it becomes like, a full field of possibility and that, and then it becomes creative. What a game changer that would be if people could turn their judgment into discrimination, you know, right and wrong, turn their opinions of right and wrong into what's for me and what's not for me or what's mine and what's not mine. And I just want to throw this out to any listeners that may not have uh, experienced this, but my experience has been that those who are concerned most about the judgments of others tends to be those who judge quite heavily. So just food for thought. If you happen to be the kind of person that is really worried about other people's opinions um, and whether or not they approve of who you are and what you're doing, is it possible that that fear is simply reflecting the judgment that you put upon others? You know, I found that for myself 
<laughs> which is yeah. why I bring that up. I found that for myself. And uh, I think when I came to terms with that and I started, um, I did not like that portion of myself and it's something that I worked on. And now it's like, I could kind of care less what other people do. Cause I've, I've kind of come to that recognition that everyone's path is their own. And, you know, when you connect, when you connect with other people on their path, they can have a very cool story and a very cool perspective and, but you got to give them the freedom and uh, the space to live their lives, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. And like most people who might partake of negativity that we've run into are not mass murderers, True. right? Like, you know, like they're, the more that we know ourselves, uh, the more that the free, open, radiation of that love uh is something that nobody on this planet really can fully counteract mm -hmm. uh it is just the nature and like you may find that you can learn things from people who are negative if you open up and don't and are not threatened by the mere fact that they are reflecting to you something that is not yours right mm -hmm. It's simply not yours. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that you stand idly by when they, you know, when, when negative people do negative things necessarily. Uh, it just because on the manifest level, the, the, the decisions and the energetics have already played out. Mm -hmm. That's why it's so important to think, to try to think on this deeper level, because that's where that's where it's fluid. Once it's come into manifestation as an act of some kind, it's kind of concrete and rigid at that point. It can't be changed, but it's at that fluid level of this like pool of thought that we all dip into. Um, and, and in deeper levels, you know, the, the, the planetary mind and the archetypal mind, all of these things are resources that we can bring to bear uh, so that uh, when things actually do manifest into phenomenal reality, uh, we are better prepared to apprehend them as spirits and we don't have to simply react to them like animals. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The session that we were reading from, from Hatan, Hatan basically goes on and says, we don't have evil. What we do have is, is sorrow. You know, we feel, we see that what you perceive as evil on your plane and, and we feel terrible about it, but they go on to say they don't have evil, but, I want to go back, way back to 1974. I think this was February 18th, 1974. I believe Dawn is channeling Hatan during a question and answer session, which I think these were relatively rare in this in the in the early to mid 70s. Um, Hatan says, "I am aware of your question. This was a supposedly a silently asked question, and." Um, Don loved those. Dan, Don, the more you read about Don, the more you get the feeling that he is constantly trying. He's a scientist. He's constantly trying to prove this wrong and test it. And I can see just a little anecdote. I can see now so many of the questions that he asked in the raw contact were trying to prove wrong previous questions and answers that were in the in the trans, you know, in the seventies. So. I'm getting a lot of that context that I was looking for when I started that, uh, starting the transcript reading project. So it's been, yeah. it's been interesting, but Hatan states, you have spoken of the concept of the antichrist. My friends, this is a source of confusion. 
The source of confusion, my friends, is the concept of Christ. Once this concept is understood, then the concept of Antichrist is understood. Therefore, I shall speak upon the meaning of the one known to you as Christ. This man known to you as Jesus was born into the physical upon your planet. He was able to realize the truth of the creation, and then he was able to demonstrate this truth to those about him. And just a quick uh, interjection here. At this point in time in the transcripts, a lot of the messages surrounded meditate, understand, and then demonstrate. It was like a three-step process to what people should be doing. So he's they're simply repeating it here. Jesus understood the truth of the creation, and then he was able to demonstrate this truth to those about him. Good catch. This man came into the physical on your planet, as have many teachers in the past. Each of these teachers came into the physical for the purpose of serving the people of this planet. However, it was up to them to carry out this service. Each of them did it in his own way. This is within the limits of our understanding of the intent of the Creator. These teachers were limited. Limited by the same conditions that each of you and that each of all the people on the planet experience. The people of this planet have misinterpreted the meaning of these men. The people of this planet are at this time misinterpreting the meaning of the man known to you as Jesus. His purpose in his life was to demonstrate that it is possible through an awareness of the Creator's truth to experience what the Creator planned for each of us. This man worked what was called miracles. These were truly miracles to those who thought of them as miracles, but this was given to each of the Creator's children. He was simply demonstrating the result of thinking in the original way as planned by our Creator. He was also demonstrating that it is possible for anyone at any time to demonstrate this type of thinking, and therefore the abilities that accompany it. And I want to pause there because I wonder if Jesus was rolling around today or if there was someone rolling around today performing these miracles, living in love, what type of media attention or ridicule would that person today, what kind of Twitter feed would that person have? <laughs> you know, would people look at that and go, yeah, faker, he's doing, he's got magic tricks or would, would that cause a ruckus? You know, I, I wonder, I wonder. What do you think? Jeremy? I just can't. What do you think? I, 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 I want to be able to respond substantively, but all I can think about is one of my favorite TV programs. Uh, it's on Adult Swim. It's called Black Jesus. Okay. And it is by far one of my favorite uh, TV shows because it kind of it says, what if what if Jesus was alive in, uh, you know, uh, modern times um, and was black and Compton? <laughs> oh yeah yeah and uh i i have to tell you i think that it is a fantastic demonstration of a lot of uh principles of what i think jesus really stood for hmm. 
Um, it's not perfect, sure, but it is, and it is funny, yeah. right? It's a humorous show. Um, but I highly recommend it. I found it very inspirational. Um, and also very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, uh, I think if Jesus was around right now, I think he'd be keeping a much, much lower profile than, than most people would mm-hmm. like, because this media attention, this ability to broadcast things, uh, to everybody's consciousness, uh, is a double-edged sword. I think, uh, remember, uh, the, the admonition he gave to all the people that, uh, were healed by faith in him was tell no one. Mm-hmm. Yes. This, I don't think he said this because he didn't want the attention. I think he said this because, uh, he wanted people to come to him in faith in the, in the, in the, in the love that he was trying to demonstrate. He didn't want them to come to him, uh, just to get something out of it. And so the more people that, you know, and of course the word got out, maybe this, maybe what I'm saying doesn't really hold up because people did see him as a healer eventually. Um, but I think that his intention was for it not to be about the healing, but uh, showing people a greater uh, concept of themselves. Mm-hmm. He's reflecting back to them uh, the more pure uh, person that they actually are, the the creator. Mm-hmm. That is who each of these people are. And it is uh, through seeing that in Jesus that they see that in themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and what how would you tell somebody about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> especially, especially in those times, oh, totally. like it would be, it would be difficult. Um, in these times, how would you tell somebody about that without sounding like, you know, somebody that, you know, came off of Dr. Phil, I don't know. Sure? Like, uh, sure. it, everybody's so cynical these days. Anyway, uh, we don't have nearly the amount of faith for good or ill as they did in Jesus's times. Yeah. Uh, we didn't have, uh, I mean, back in those days, you know, Ross said this about um, uh, their activities in ancient Egypt. You know, hey, Egyptians were used to lots of crazy things going on. Like they believed in all sorts of stuff. So the fact that we came to them uh, wasn't a big deal to them because they already believed in fantastic things. Mm -hmm. In this day and age, uh, we uh, are pretty structured in our consciousness by the idea of, uh, you know, fundamentalist materialist science which says that you know if you can't prove something in a double blind experiment it's not real of course there's lots of things that are real that can't be that can't be proved in a uh in an experimental setting and it doesn't make them any less real right but we live in a society where we think that way yeah makes me think of the book american gods which uh, i've only listened i haven't read it i listened to it on audiobook but the concept the concept is um, just fantastic because there's the old gods, you know, there's Odin and Loki, there's the old gods, and then there's the new gods of technology. And, you know, and these are, these are they're not anthropomorphized, that's not right, not the right word, but they are, you know, the technology is like a person in a limo, you know, it's an actual, they, it turns them into a person, but it's a, we still all have faith. It just kind of changes what we put our faith in. This is, I think, what Nietzsche meant when he said that we killed God, but we didn't know it, right? We killed, we we destroyed the concept of, um, you know, a unifying faith in a in a creator, but then we didn't replace it with anything but mm-hmm. money, yeah, and a uh, mechanistic science and all that, yeah. 
And uh, I, you know, I think he had a point. Totally. Now, Hatan uh, finishes up this particular question, and they finally get to, uh, he finally gets to actually addressing the Antichrist here. Um, Hatan states, This is the task of any teacher upon this planet or any other place in the creation. This is our task at this time. You, the task is essentially um, providing an example of understanding uh, of the Creator. Hatan states, You have spoken of the term Antichrist. What then is the meaning of the term? It is simply the ignorance of the knowledge of this truth. This ignorance is widespread upon this planet. This is what is known as the Antichrist. It is the ignorance of truth. We speak to you through instruments such as this one. We do this because it would be a mistake to speak to the people of the planet in a more direct manner. It is necessary that the ignorance of truth be eliminated from within, for this is the only possibility available to the individual if he is to achieve a true awareness of truth. The concept of Antichrist is with you, but it is a false concept. If there exists an individual who would be called the Antichrist, then there, there exists an extremely ignorant individual. Should this be a threat to any of the Creator's children? I think not. Yeah, easy for them to say. Yeah, right. <laughs> I do appreciate the note here that if he is to achieve a true awareness of truth, a true awareness of truth, it has to happen from within. It can't be forced upon you. And, you know, I could quibble. God, this is going to get very mundane, but you could quibble with the current education system that the education system is essentially kids going to school and teachers telling them what they think they need to know. And they, you kind of give them, you know, you, the teachers build them the scaffolding and tell them how to climb the scaffolding and give them a picture of the house that they need to build. And there's, you know, the lessons you learn, the things you learn from that environment is much different than you go into a different environment where you're curious and you ask the questions and the teacher kind of guides you along your own path of discovery and understanding. It's completely different. And I, I can only say that with my experience in finance where I, I, went to call, I, I went to college and I studied music. And when I did a career change, I needed to find a way fast to learn about my new career finance. And I went down this, this specific certification program, but the best thing I learned was how I learn. And because I had to, I had to do it from scratch. And so this resonates with me that this, this idea of, of, of unity, of separateness, of the truth, these are concepts that you have to come to terms with on your own, through your own path, through your own process of self-discovery, whatever it is. This is not something that two guys on a podcast can tell you. I can tell you my experience and you can, you know, you can give your experience, but it is something that you've got to explore for yourself. Absolutely. I, you know, I wouldn't want it any other way. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Because there's something that you bring to the mystery that only you can bring. And that part isn't expendable. It's necessary. It's the puzzle is incomplete without it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I did want to bring up one more thing um, because we, you know, we've been talking about 
good and evil, Christ and the Antichrist. And I think, you know, naturally, if you're in this subject and you're, you know, it, people think about heaven and hell. And I think that, uh, well, Jeremy, I shouldn't speak for you, but I'm not, you know, I don't personally believe in a, in a heaven or a hell per se. Uh, but there, um, you, you may not know, but I'm fascinated by the concept of near death experiences. And, mm-hmm. uh, there's a couple of YouTube channels I really enjoy where some, uh, they call them NDEers. Some NDEers, they interview other NDEers about their experience and, and where things are, they correlate and they don't, um, this one woman, Trisha Barker, interviewed this guy named Howard Storm. What a cool name. But Howard, when old Howard passed away, he was on the path of separateness. And he experienced what that separateness is like on the other side. And he wrote a book about it. It's called My Descent Into Death. And, um, I have not read the book. I'm holding it right here, but I have not read it. I've watched a few, a few interviews of his and they've been great, but, um, it, his, his description of what the other side is like when you pass and you're, you are solidly on the path of, uh, you know, there is no God and I'm separate and I'm just me. And, um, his experience was not a good one, you know, and in the midst of his experience, maybe out of pure fear and uh and torment he called out essentially called out to jesus and jesus shows up and saves him (laughs) so it's a good story he's he does a good job with his interviews i'll I'll plug one of the links in the in the show notes but it's just another little bit of information that you know it's not heaven or hell good or evil christ and antichrist there's unity and love and then there's whatever that isn't which is we're separate and we don't express that love. You know, when it comes down to it, it's, it's, it's still a tough thing to navigate. Even if you boil it down to something as simple as the manifestation of separation is evil or is our con no, is our concept of evil. It's still tough to grapple with, but I think there's a lot of little tidbits and data points and stories and anecdotes that all kind of confirm that this is a, this is a relatively solid, uh, template to work from. Yeah, uh, because it 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 gets down to the reasons why they manif- the, the the philosophical reasons why things manifest into what we then culturally name good and evil. Um, to think of it in terms of separation and unity helps us see a more. Uh, it, it's just clearer uh, that these are choices. Mm-hmm. And that you, you know, it's the important thing about being in a choice is that you can choose, you can change your mind. And also that because it's a choice, it comes with an accompanying experience that teaches. And while I would not tread the path of that, which is not the negative path service to self. Um, I do know that people who do tread that path learn a lot. In fact, they might learn a lot more. Than people on the on the positive path, and, you know, I'm speculating here, but um, that's the really undiscovered country for the creator mm. is 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 going down the path of falsity and that which is not, because that's what's not known at unity. That is a very good point. It doesn't doesn't make uh doesn't make them uh, <laughs> uh, more pleasant to hang out with. Or like <laughs> certainly, certainly. But and then but there's that old truth, you know, you can't know the power of love 
unless you experience the other side of that. You know, happiness, joy, love, contentment has no value. It's like I like to say, you know, I lived for a long time in the Bay Area in California. And you know what? God dang it. There's only so much sunshine one person can take. <laughs> it's, it's like, give me a cloudy day. Just freaking snow. Why don't you? <laughs> yeah. You know? And you know what? People are built. I think people are built to complain and see the negative in things. And in California, in the Bay, you can't complain about the weather. So you find other things to complain about. Yeah. But but it's you just you need the contrast. You know, it's hard, so hard to appreciate that sunny and 70 every day. Unless you get your occasional blizzard or earthquake or tornado, whatever it is, you you got to have the contrast, which Hatan even you, states in their dimension and their life. Yeah, they don't have evil, but they have sorrow. You know, they have laughter and yeah. joy and love, but they feel supposedly the other side of that. So they have the sweet version of negativity, which is sorrow, right? Mm-hmm. That's a sweet version mm-hmm. of it. That's a. Uh, that's really bound up in love. When you love something, uh, you you're setting yourself up for sorrow at some future point. Yeah, um, because nothing is permanent in this world. And if you want contrasts, baby, this is the density to be in. Um, this is where like our biases get exposed, and we find out on a deep level what we have in us and how that's going to inform the basic choice of polarity that we make. Mm-hmm. So. You know, the the confusion, the chaos, the suffering, um, the inequalities uh, that manifest on this planet. Um, it's not a matter of us approving of them or, uh, or appreciating them in some like utilitarian form. They simply are and we simply are. And the the question is, is are we going to. What are we going to learn about ourselves mm-hmm. and about the creator in this particular scenario? Uh, like, you know, none of us, none of us are, have access. Um, I shouldn't speak for everybody, but I don't have access to the part of myself that chose to incarnate for all intents and purposes. Waking consciousness, Jeremy, it kind of got stuck here. Yeah. Right. And so it's, what am I going to do with yeah. that? That's the question. There are some, there's an interesting session coming up. I don't know when it'll be released. I just did a whole bunch of sessions the last couple of days to uh, front, front run the releases. But there's one where someone asks, what's the point of incarnating when we can't remember our past incarnations and the lessons we learned? Like why, if the whole goal is to learn, why shut down that whole other all, you know, that whole other aspect of the lives that we've lived. And the answers, you know, the answers will suffice. They're pretty, I think they're pretty good. But I think long story short, if I'm remembering it correctly, the point is that all those past lessons you've incorporated into your current existence somewhat. And those past lessons no longer matter necessarily because you're here to learn the lessons you're here to learn. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so, and get to it, <laughs> right? You know, get to it. So, yeah, and getting to it is not about working harder. Mm. It's not about being smarter. Mm-hmm. It's not about uh, doing some, you know, uh, praying the rosary or anything like that. Although maybe that's a symbol of something for you. Uh, what it's really about is uh, a quality of consciousness and a quality of attention to things that when you have that connection within, you can then bring to bear on outer experiences and let them show you who you are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, my friend, you've uh, again given me a couple good things to chew on. Um, 
You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Are we wrapping up here? I think I, I think I think so. I mean, I've well, I feel we, bad because I told the listener, hey, we're going to be talking about inertia again because I thought we were going to cover karma. Uh, so I got to yes. say karma is a form of inertia for the Confederation. OK, there. I got OK, it perfect. Well, I, speaking of karma, let's put that on the docket for the yeah. next one. I'm going to I'm going to focus a bit because one of the uh, or some recent sessions, they asked about karma. There's some, a good answer in there and they've had some good answers in the past session. So I'll I'll dig up some references. Let's talk about karma, because I think that one is interesting, fun to talk about, but interesting. So. Let's plan on that. And it's got a lot of cultural cachet. So it's, it's really, Amen. there's a lot to tease out, right? What, what's, what's valid, what, uh, should have been left on Oprah, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Well, my friend, any parting, any parting words? Only the same ones. All right. Well, uh, on that note, stay in the love and light friends. <laughs>